what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. November 22nd, 2019, episode 106. Are we back on Friday, Carter? Are we not? You're not gonna do this on a Wednesday, are you? Well, I mean, we're, we always record a little earlier, so we're recording a little early in the week. But yes, this will go live on Friday, which is why I said November 22nd, because that's Friday. Okay, I was gonna say because Wednesday was my dad's 70th birthday, and I can't hardly believe that. But my dad's 70. Happy birthday, Fast Eddie. Fast Eddie, 70? Seven zero. That's crazy. Happy birthday, yeah, Eddie. Right on. Um, what else going on this week? There's a lot going on this week what well let's, let's talk about what's going on tomorrow night tomorrow night what's that the debut of the fast and left film in wichita kansas oh right damn i don't even know what to say about that because i don't know if i'm gonna be there or not at this point i'm going i'm doing my best to be there hopefully i'm there fingers crossed i don't know at this point when we're recording but i'm planning on being there i will know in the next 24 hours so Right on. Well, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a little Q and A session after the film is over. He's gonna have a lot of bikes and and memorabilia set up before. A lot of people are gonna be hanging out, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Wichita, it's only about two and a half hours away from here, so I can't wait to get up there and check this thing out. You know, I want to be there. You know, I want to see this. It's I've been talking about it even before it was completed, I guess. So uh, I, I'm definitely gonna do everything I can to be there. But uh, let's talk about what else has happened this week because there's there's actually been a few things. The uh, 2020 schedule was finally released. Uh, not a lot of huge surprises, you know, those in the flat track community kind of already had an idea of, of what was on the schedule. Um, the notables are, you know, uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, Oklahoma city races back on for father's day, uh, weekend. Charlotte is going to return. I think it was what the third race of the season that they'll go to Charlotte. Yep. And that's, you know, early in the season. So that's good. Um, you know, it's, it's good to have that racetrack back on there. Cause it's right outside uh, the NASCAR track. It's in NASCAR country. Uh, I don't know why it went off the schedule, but I'm, I'm glad it's back on the schedule. It's a beautiful facility. Uh, I think it could make for some really good racing and it's a uh, top notch racetrack. Love it. And then I'm sure due to the success of this doubleheader last year, um, they've made the decision to do the Springfield doubleheader on Labor Day weekend in September. Uh, so there won't be a May race. So uh, the, there won't be a May race, but there'll be two in, in in September. And then Minnesota and Arizona are off the schedule for 2020. How do you feel about that? Uh, I'm okay with the Springfield uh, doubleheader. I, I was not surprised because uh, it was successful. It's one, you know, one trip to see two Grand National, two miles back to back. I think that's awesome. Um, there has been a lot of instances where there's been rain in May. Of course, that's springtime and in May. You're right there in, uh, you know, in the Midwest, and there's a lot of, you know, big chance of rain. So, uh, I think you'll draw more spectators for the fall. Um, I'm hearing rumors there may be a race in that particular weekend. Maybe we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. Uh, I am surprised the Arizona TT is off the schedule. I know it costs a lot of money to bring in the lighting for that, uh, to move the dirt around to make that race happen. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised that one's gone. Uh, Minnesota. Um, We've been there, we've left there. We've been there, we've left there, and now it looks like we are leaving there again. I know the fans up there are going to be a little bit disappointed. Um, it's right there in Polaris's backyard, so I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that one's going away. Justin, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, you have to adjust and make changes every season. And uh, I, 
the fact that, that they're going to be going back to the Meadowlands, hopefully that's a little bit better than, than it was the end of this year, and I'm sure it will be uh, for the finale at the end of the season. But, I mean, overall, I'm pretty pretty stoked on the schedule for 2020. I think it is, is a good mix of tracks, and uh, look forward to seeing these riders get out there and get after it. Three short tracks, three TTs, six half miles, and six miles. So it's going to take the best rider to win the championship in all three classes. All right, this next thing. I don't know how deep you want to go into this. I definitely don't want to because there's a lot that I still don't know about it. There was a press release uh, that that next year, uh, I don't know if Fans' Choice is going away. It didn't say one way or the other, but it's uh, they're going to be... Uh, part of Track Pass, which is a uh, which is a product offered by NBC uh, Sports Gold, and it's going to be an, an OTT over the top uh, direct to consumer uh, live streaming uh, app, uh, and it will include uh, NASCAR, ARCA, IMSA, and uh, some wheel and modified tour races, um, some grassroots races as well, uh, and. I don't know how much you want to get into this because I could probably spend a whole episode just talking about this with my uh, my history of fans' choice. I think it's cool. I think it's something they should have done a while ago, but it's awesome to see them seeing value enough in this product uh, to offer as a paid service. Well, you and I both know exactly what we read in the press release, and that's all we know. So we're not going to speculate. Um, there is going to be a cost to watch these races. You can pay, uh, it looks like a monthly rate or a yearly rate, I believe. Um, there's supposed to be a special introductory price for the current AFT fans who have contributed to the success of FansChoice.tv. So we'll have to see how this unfolds. And maybe later on, uh, you know, maybe in this offseason, we can talk to Michael Locke or somebody from uh, AFT and get some more answers for this. But uh, I guess my thoughts on this is maybe we can get some NASCAR fans to trickle over to American Flat Track. I mean, having that right there, that capability, if, if you're paying for something, you might as well check out and see what else is on this particular app or this platform so hopefully you know we're kind of piggybacking on their success and maybe we'll get some new fans into flat track there's no doubt that uh, america flat track played a pivotal role in the success of fans choice uh it was the first event that was streamed on on the uh, platform when they launched it uh it's it's probably one of the largest cons- most consistent fan bases uh that come to watch on fans choice and uh it's cool to see that they're benefiting from this decision uh that that nascar has made to to launch this this product so uh it, it's it's gonna be awesome I, th- I think you know i've seen a lot of mixed reviews on social media some people are pissed that they're paying for a product that they've you know gotten for free in the past uh but i think with that cost is going to come some improvements uh to the consistency of of the of the product and uh give you a little bit more flexibility to stream it uh, and makes it makes that whole process easier so you know even if there is a cost that there's going to be, it's still cheaper to, for some fans than going to every race. I know that's financially very hard to do. I mean, I, I have the luxury of getting to go to every race, but some people can't afford to go to every race. So if you can't afford to go to every race, this is the next best thing. So uh, we'll have to see you know, what happens in the future with, with more press releases or, like I said, maybe we can talk to somebody with American Flat Track to get some more details on this. All right, so let's get into this week's episode, dude. Like, uh, I, I had a chance... Uh, to, to get some time with a guy that I think is one of the best storylines uh, for the 2019 season, you know, aside from his brother winning the championship. Um, Bronson coming third in the Twins class and running for Factory Indian. Uh, I wanted to talk to him. He, I didn't even realize this. I know that he was part of some fundraiser, um, but I didn't realize the details of it. So I wanted to talk to him about that and just kind of go through the 2019 season with him because, I mean, he finished third in the Twins class. Pretty amazing season. I think... 
I think that was a big surprise. I mean, it was probably expected by the factory Indian team. You know, you want your riders up there, you know, and they got one, two, and three, respectively. But uh, Bronson, you know, who just a few years ago, we were talking before we before we started recording, you remember him being so happy just to get a 10th place finish. And this guy only finished out of the top 10 three times in the 2019 season. He ended third in the points, his first Grand National victory, five podiums, and 11 top fives in the 18 rounds so uh i i I think by far that's his best season of his career let's give him a shout i think he's just hanging out in illinois uh i think he told me he's waiting to go into chipotle so we're gonna get him before he goes and gets some lunch give him a call guess what you're gonna be able to hear all right the old call in is back i swear i had a game back when i was a kid that used to sound like that never said that before i'm gonna figure it out uh dialing bronson bauman yo brombo what's going on man nothing what are you doing uh just drop some stuff off that powder coater and uh rolling over to chipotle chipotle Man, is that is that what you racers eat in the off season? Man, I eat Chipotle all season long. Man, is that I'm gonna have, I guess that's why I didn't go fast when I raced. I didn't I never had that before. Yeah. During race season you know that there's no rice, more lettuce. Now it's all right, throw the extra guac on there, the rice, <laughs> all the good stuff. Right on. That's cool. So the reason I had you on the podcast today is we want to talk about your uh, fundraiser that you had back on October 19th. It was the Outlaw Ride Night. Tell me more about how that fundraiser came to be to help raise money for these injured riders. Man, that was an awesome event. It kind of started off, I was driving to Pennsylvania to go to my brother's house to hang out there for a couple days to go to the last race. And Jesse Watkins and I have become pretty good friends. And he was talking about doing another ride night. Typically, he just calls, you know, a few local guys and show up and ride for free. He doesn't charge us. I mean, he does an awesome job with the track. And so I called him. I said, hey, for this last ride night of the summer, why don't we charge the people and we can, you know, band that money together and give it to the injured riders. And he immediately fell in love with the idea. And of course, you know, uh, we went, went racing, Oliver got injured, which was a huge heartbreaker, but we figured, man, we need to raise more money than just riders. So we came up with the idea of what about getting someone to grill? Excuse me. Then it was, why not a band? Okay. And then it was like, we can probably get some stuff together to auction off. And all this stuff kind of snowballed sat on us. And we released the flyer, and it was about two and a half weeks before the um, event. You know, it was about a, a few, it was maybe four days after the last race, I released the flyer that we were going to do this. I got so many calls on, we want to volunteer. We want to donate this to be optioned off. How much money can we donate to, you know, help cover costs? And it was just an awesome aspect of the flat track community right there in itself on how many people came together for that one event. We threw something up against the wall and it stuck like glue. It was unbelievable. I mean, it, it just, like I said, snowballed. And I spent every night from probably 
I'd say 3.30 to 10 o'clock or later at the Outlaw Ranch helping set up the week before. And, you know, there's probably 10 people there every night along my side, along with Jesse and Alyssa Watkins, the owners of Outlaw Ranch. And, you know, it was awesome for them to even allow this to happen. And going into it, I wanted to raise $8,000. You know, that it would be two, uh, two grand a rider for Oliver, James, J.R., and Jeremy Higgins. So I figured, you know, that's not going to cover medical bills. That's going to hopefully, you know, if they need tires on their car or whatever the case may be, electrical bills helps them a little bit. And uh, with the entire night, we had roughly 300 people there. It was 39 riders and the rest were spectators. And I don't think the costs were too high with, you know, 40 bucks to ride all night and uh, $20 to come eat and drink and watch motorcycles and listen to a band. So it all played out. If we could have planned it three months ahead of time, it could not have gone off any better, in my opinion. Man, that is awesome. So do you have a total of what you ended up raising, a, a total amount? Yeah, we actually, um, I think it was last week, I finally got one of the last checks that someone said they were going to send me. And uh, we ended up raising $26,000. So Man, we that's amazing. Tripled, yeah, tripled the money that I set out to uh, raise. And, you know, it, it was with all the help from everyone. I mean, there's people donating helmets. Jake Johnson donated a signed helmet. I, you know, donated a couple little things. Jared Vanacoy, Jared Mees. Uh, there's just so many people that were willing to uh, just donate stuff. Uh, funny story, actually. Friday, we were set, doing like the final setup for the auction items, and I guess I was kind of the guy in charge that day. Well, I helped set up all this stuff. We had uh, Robbie Madison, Jeremy Twitch's jerseys, uh, Tyler Behrman, you know, Vicky Golden, all this cool stuff. And I go get it all set up with the help of, you know, the people that were there. And I take off to go do track prep or something. I, I, I was doing a, going 100 miles an hour that day. We scheduled gates open to 1, and that was just before 1 o'clock. And the auction was supposed to be at 7. Well, I never set foot back in the auction barn until about, you know, 6.58, we'll call it. <laughs> and I walk in, and I just see the auction area just tripled in size. I was gone doing, you know, all the other stuff I had to do. And there's people just bringing stuff. I mean... I believe uh, Jill Singleton brought a Kate Spade purse, and it was like, holy cow, that that's unbelievable. I have no idea what Kate Spade is, to be honest with you, but I know <laughs> someone said, oh, yeah, that's a really, really nice, fancy girl's purse. I was like, that's, that's awesome. You know, people were just bringing stuff and donating stuff to be auctioned off. And, uh, you know, I don't think we sold anything that went for under $100. Everything was just through the roof. People were very generous with buying and they all knew it was going to a good cause. And I think we even had quite a bit of fun while we did it. You know, the, uh, auction went off unreal. We had a full auction crew there. They donated their time. I mean, there's so many people giving helping hands. It was unbelievable. I didn't, I mean, I knew what you posted on social media. I was following it, but $26,000, man, hats off to you and everybody that donated. And, uh, where was this at? I know probably in Illinois somewhere because that's where you live now, right? Where is the Outlaw Ranch at? 
the outlaw ranch is kind of a secret location but it's uh mackinac illinois if you had, if you were to say mackinac to anyone they'd be like where's that I, well it's kind of in between uh peoria and springfield off of uh i-55 or i'm sorry i-155 man it, it was unbelievable just uh middle of nowhere just a one badass racetrack i mean we had three tractors there with implement, implements on the back, a full water truck. I mean, we had a crew there that was just doing track prep, you know, and it, it was unreal. Man, sounds like one hell of a night for sure. And I'm sure these riders appreciate what you did and what the flat track community did to help them out. But uh, while I got you on the phone, let's talk about 2019. I think that's probably the best season of your career. Would you agree with that? Uh, I'd agree completely. You know, um, it, it was a record year for me getting signed on with the factory Indian motorcycle team. And uh, Briar and I, we both, I think, set goals and surpassed those goals. And uh, I certainly did. You know, I was I was going for a top five in the championship and be more consistent in the top five and on the podiums. And it, uh, it certainly happened. I got five podiums this year and my first Grand National win. So um it it was awesome to round out the uh season third in the points that was uh a huge goal for me like i said i i set out for top five in the points and granted you know indian probably doesn't want to hear that that they want championship contenders but i was being more of a realist about it i said to myself top five is achievable for me i uh not that i don't have faith in myself but i was uncertain because of the year's past it there was some uncertainty about me and i'm very confident in myself now you know i i know i can race with these guys i know i can beat these guys um it it was an awesome year to say the least it was a very consistent year but it started off a little bit rocky i mean you got a top five at you know a fifth at daytona and 11th at atlanta and texas the 17th but after those first three races man you turned it on so uh what was going on was it just you getting used to the indian in those first three races I mean, uh, Daytona, Daytona's always been a crapshoot, whether it's been the TT or the short track, in my opinion. Um, I led the race for a little bit. I was in second behind my brother. He was on a mellow level that day. No one was touching him. And, uh, you know, I, I fell back to third, and I ended up crashing. It was completely stupid, in my opinion. I hit a hole, and I was still on the front brake, and, just away I went really and it that was definitely a bummer I picked myself back up and my airbag was deployed and I rode around with my airbag deployed for a couple of laps luckily enough I had kept the motor running and um I was really flustered well going into Atlanta I was flustered you know crashed out of podium position and you know the pressure was getting to me I was on the factory Indian team and I you know, in my opinion, I, I needed to be up front, no matter what the case, what track. And I, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, which I don't do real well under pressure. And that's the case for Atlanta and Texas. Um, Texas, I did have a uh, motorcycle failure. The team, um, the, the team, you know, stuff happens. The problem with motorcycles, it can happen to any one of us, but. Yeah, I, I had pressure on myself, but didn't need to be there. I have an awesome team behind me, and 
they weren't putting any pressure on me. It was all myself. And I eventually going into Paris, I, I said, this needs to change. I, I need to, uh, I almost wasn't even having fun at the races at that point, just because of myself, really. There's no reason not to be having fun at the races. And it, uh, it all changed to Paris. You know, I had my birthday the day before we went out, had a nice dinner and we, uh, going into Paris, I was, I was a different person. And that's where it really changed for me. It was after, um, Arizona as well. I, I just, it clicked in my head. I said, look, these guys aren't doing anything to you to put pressure on you. They're not asking why you getting this or worse than that. They're, they're just supporting you. They, they want you to do the best you can. And it realized that and we're all there to have fun, but when, you know, I, I sat full for the main event the first time for my first time ever. And it was just unbelievable. Um, that mind mindset that I changed, it was really, really good for me. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you figured that out because uh, Arizona is sixth, Paris is sixth, Lexington is seventh. Let's talk about Laconia. That had to be the highlight of the year for you. Um, walk us through that day, man, your first career Grand National victory. Man, yeah, uh, Laconia was unbelievable. I I was excited going into a short track. I, I really like short tracks. Uh, I tend to be pretty aggressive on them on my 450 and I was just thinking, man, this is this is gonna be unreal on a twin. And you know, everyone walking around, even you, Scotty, were like, man, today's your day. I can feel it. And everyone kept saying that. And I don't like that. You know, I may have been thinking it. I may have, you know, had a had a really good feeling about that day, but I I don't like that. It's added pressure to me. I kind of blow it off and say, yeah, we'll see. You you know, and just qualified eighth or so which i was kind of disappointed in that but the track was the type of track where you had to get out and put your very first lap on the track was always your fastest because it got so rough so quick and so i was about eighth or so and not too far off the pace and i felt pretty good about it um i went out i believe we just had a semi that day i got probably a poor start yeah it was a poor start you know standard for me and was started climbing my way forward and at one point I thought I was actually going to pass for the lead and I made a mistake broke track I had good battles with uh Jake Johnson Sammy Halbert and Henry Wiles was leading and I about passed him at one point I felt like and uh made a mistake like I said and fell back and finished second then uh you know I started getting ready for the main event and made a couple little bike minor bike changes and I was ready for the main event, you know. Funny thing about it is I started my motorcycle up before the main event. Well, Cletus, my mechanic, started it up. And the thing was puffing smoke. It was like, are you kidding me? What's <laughs> going on with this thing already? You know, just that, that throws another wrench in the gears. And, uh, you know, I have all the faith in the world in my team. I have the best team around me. And you you can argue it, and I'm going to argue right back I, love my team and they always give me the best equipment to go out and race on and uh you know i pulled the whole shot there in the main mix. i was like holy smokes and i went off into three pretty deep and wild snuck underneath me but i was able to square him back off and next lap i did the same thing well we immediately had a red flag dalton winkler crashed outside of turn two and you know i was i was already a little bit worried i was uh you know 
clutch issues, just, you know, everything's running through my mind. I felt really good that day. I, at that point in time, I knew I could probably win the main event. So we had, uh, we do the restart. I pulled the whole shot again. It was single, staggered restart, pulled the whole shot and I led it for a few laps. And I couldn't tell you exactly how many laps I led, but, um, we had another red flag and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the third start on this clutch. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mentally getting really stressed and my mechanic Dean and uh, Dean Young and Cletus were both there and they were like, man, the clutch feels fine. You're fine, man. You're hauling ass, you know, no one's touching you, you know, just pretty much hyping me up. And all I can remember was just close my eyes and just breathing. That's all I, all I could do at that point in time. You know, I never led a national for more than a lap and a half or so. I was nervous and uh, pulled another another whole shot. That was, uh, I believe, the second restart when Dalton Winkler crashed again. And I was leading it for all the way up until the five to go. And I heard someone behind me. I was like, man, I only know one person that's going to be excelling on this track as well as I am. And as soon as I look back, it's the big number 14 plate. It's like, damn it. And as soon as I looked back, he snuck right underneath me. I made a mistake, and he, he got by me. I like, all right. Well, immediately, we had a red flag again. I was like, are you kidding me? We're reverting back a lap. I'm, I'm leading these guys off the starting line again. You know, I'm thinking to myself, there's no way my clutch is holding up right now. I'm, I'm hard on clutches as it is, and we're about to do our fourth start of the main event. And I pulled the whole shot and let it wire, wire. I mean, it, it was uh, – the most intense five laps I've ever, ever done in my entire life. I, I swear my heart rate was 200 plus. I mean, it just because of the mental aspect of it, you know, I've never been in that position. I felt great, but just there's all, all that mental stress of, holy shit. I'm almost about to win my first national. And uh, I got the white flag, and I hit a hole, and I about crashed going into turn one. Almost crashed in turn one, and somehow kept it together. And coming off turn four, I came unglued. You know, it, I've never felt a feeling like it. There's so much I've put into this. At one point in my career, I never thought that day would ever come, you know, to win my first Grand National. And uh, for it to finally pay off for my family and all the stress. I know it's only only a one race win. I feel like Alessi even talking about it right now. But just for it to finally pay off to get that first win, it was unbelievable. It, and it, it sure was. And, and you know, my hat's off to you because, like you said, there was at least three red flags that, we just, that you just talked about. And when you have those red flags and those restarts, everything's going through your mind. So you held it together really, you know, really well. I think it was a gut feeling I had when I got there that day and looked at the racetrack. And I even came and told you, like you said, too, that you were my pick to win. And, and now that I know that bothers you, I will never say that again to you. But I'm going to tell you that you're going to get last next time. But, um, no, you, you, rode, you rode the wheels off of it. And I was, I was so proud of you, man, for getting your first win. Uh, from there, we move on to Lima. You get a fifth. New York, a fourth. Buffalo Chip, a fourth. You get back on the podium at the Black Hills Half Mile. Do any of those races stick out to you? Anything special about those four? I mean, honestly, all of them do. You know, th these are the best results I've ever had at these tracks. And, uh, 
you know, New York, I pulled the whole shot and led it for a lap. And then uh, my brother, once again, that guy was on a different, he was in a different universe this year. I mean, everything was clicking for him and he just had the flow there and, you know, just rode away from everyone um, at New York short track. And then going into Buffalo chip, I, I like TTs. I, I like turning right. I like using front brakes. I felt really good and pretty disappointed. I still haven't stepped on the podium there. Um, but just after getting that first win going into the rest of those races, I felt really confident. Just, I was like, Holy smokes, man. I, I just want to first, my first national, I proved to these guys, I can hang on, I can do this. And, uh, I just kept plugging away and then we get to rapid city and the half mile there, I felt good. I mean, I, I think I was within the top five qualifying times and, uh, went out and, I was chasing my brother around in the semi, almost passed him at one point. And I think I, I forget, I did something dumb going in turn one and Brandon Robinson slipped by me. Then of course, you know, I did it two or three more times. You know, I wanted to be certain that I, that was what was causing it. You know, uh, can't just do it once and learn from it. Got to learn the hard way. Finished third, still sat front row for the uh, main event almost pulled the whole shot i was messing around with my brother on the starting line i said hey man i pulled the whole shot i'm going straight to the top and i was lined up i think all the way at the bottom and uh i ended up bottom feeding through turn one and two and he he took it to the high side and uh rolled around the top and i stayed hot on his heels for a few laps you know he was trying the higher line and i was just doing something that was working for me and uh you know, I was battling out. Carver got by me pretty quick. I'd say with five within five laps of the first start, and I was feeling good. I was still with him, and then Brandon snuck up there, and I pulled that dumb mistake. There's a little like rut or a hole or something in one that I liked hitting for some reason, and he snuck by underneath me, and then going into three, I passed him back, and I believe immediately we had the red flag right after that with uh, Meads, Fisher, and Pearson going down, which was pretty gnarly crash. Glad everyone walked away from that one. And, uh, you know, I gathered my thoughts back up for the restart and ran third pretty much the rest of the race. After the restart, I got off the line third and stayed third. I, I felt like the last five laps, I started challenging Carver a little bit more. But, you know, it's all ifs, ands, or buts now but really happy to finish third on another another half mile. Um, the slicker the half mile seems to be more of my struggling point. And it wasn't necessarily a slick half mile, but it wasn't the typical hooked up, you know, hold it wide open until you see God back it off quarter turn uh, rapid city. It was a little more finesse. So finish third there is really, really uh, confidence boosting. Yeah, good solid finish there. Another good solid finish at Sacramento with the fourth. And let's move on to Peoria, second to your brother. Uh, of course, Henry Wiles was missing in action, uh, you know, because he was hurt. But uh, you had to be happy with the second place there, only behind your brother. I mean, I'm never happy um, taking second behind my, especially behind my brother. We all want to win. And all right. Know, to be honest, going, going back to uh, Laconia. In my honest opinion, I can say it now that it's released. 
I feel like I didn't even really beat my brother. He was fresh off a of hand surgery, you know. He he was he wasn't playing with a full deck of cards. Not that he ever is. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it uh, I I think back on it. It's like, yeah, I, I beat him once, but in my opinion, that's that's not beating him. He, he was fresh off a of hand surgery. I mean, but going into Peoria, um, you know. My brother, a few times this year, he's been the guy who has three tenths on everyone in qualifying. It's like, holy smokes, what is he doing to be three tenths ahead of everyone? And then, you know, for me to go out and do it alongside him, you know, him and I were each other's biggest competition, qualifying heat races. And that was actually the first time I got to ever pass qualify was at Peoria. It, it was really cool. I don't know if he was holding back in qualifying or in his heat race, but um, he ended up having fast heat race or semi, whatever it's called nowadays. And uh, we go out for the main event, and I pulled the whole shot. Well, I I hit the jump a bit harder than he did, and you know, uh, felt good the first couple laps, and he put it in on me. I think lap two or three, um, down at the other end, uh, coming on the front straightaway. And he led me around, and he was chasing the cushion way up there next to Bales, kind of, kind of like he typically does, you know, the Springer Junior style, some would say, Ricky Graham. But uh, I ended up sneaking back flying. He, he was, I thought he was messing with me at one point because right before he about tossed away in the air fence, he was like slapping his rear fender. Well, me, I thought he was, you know, taunting me. In reality, <laughs> he was just saying, "Let's go." you know, let's break away from these guys. And right. uh, so going out onto the front straightaway after I passed him back, I like slapped my rear fender. I kind of put my hand up going down the straightaway like, what, what do you want? You know, let's go. And uh, I let him for a couple of laps and he, he got um, by me again, going into one and two. And he, I, I swear he had another gear in the transmission or something. He, he clicked it and he was gone. It, I don't know what he was doing, but he was another man on a mission. And Fury uh, has been known to claim some people. And I want to say about halfway, I took a look back. I seen I had a good gap on knees, and uh, I backed it down quite a bit. I wanted to bring it home. I knew I didn't have anything for Briar at that point. He was already probably four seconds ahead of me. I have no idea. But um, started riding a comfortable pace and brought it home second, which was really cool. Just uh, – the fact that I that was one of the only places in the 450 classes I consi- consistently got a podium at. I believe I have uh, a second and two thirds there, or second and third there. So to get another podium there was awesome. And the fact that you know I had a 20 minute drive home made it even better. Yeah, absolutely. So so close to home. Uh, I got a question for you. Do you think that your brother would have beat Wiles if Wiles was racing that day? Depends on what bike Wiles was riding, in my opinion. Um, if it was the Kawasaki, that Willie-built Kawasaki, Wiles would have checked out like he typically does. I think Briar could have had something for him for a few laps, but I, I don't know. Henry really is the king of that place. He knows how to ride it. The Indian, I, I think uh, it would have been a more level playing field with Wiles there. It, that would have been a really, really good race to see, in my opinion. Um, I would have bought a grandstand ticket to watch Briar and Wiles go at it on Indians. 
Right on. I like that answer. That's cool. Let's talk about uh, Springfield. Springfield Mile 1 and Springfield 2. There was two completely different tracks as we had rain. You got a fourth on the Saturday race, and then on the Monday race, the track was totally different. The biggest pack I've seen in, in quite a few years, and you're right there in the middle of it and finished third. So anything about Springfield stick out to you? Man, I, I, uh, I've always liked Springfield. It's always been a pretty fair and consistent racetrack. And, uh, you know, yeah, Monday was, we were up off the guardrail. The groove was pretty wide. It was, it's still a, not a slick groove, but not necessarily a hundred percent traction like Monday was. But, uh, Saturday I, I took off third and I was trying to, all right, just stay pace with, uh, Mies and Carver to try and stay in line with them. And I think it was like lap two or three. I couldn't tell you. I started drafting up the high side of Carver, and I rolled out of the throttle thinking, all right, I need to get back in line. And those two just shot away from me. And uh, I fought tooth and nail the rest of the race with Brandon Robinson, my brother, Brian Smith, and I believe Steven Vanker. We had a pretty good battle going between us. And uh, honestly, that was just more so preparation for Monday than anything. I mean, I ended up fourth there, which was my best mile finish. And I was really happy with it, you know, almost podium legendary Springfield mile. And then, uh, you know, going on to Monday, we had one, one qualifying round, I believe it was, and a semi and a main event, I believe. Well, I, uh, qualified fair to Midland. I think I was eighth or so and rolled out for the semi for row start and, was actually kind of struggling for the first half of the semi, and then I finally found something and started actually bridging the gap back up. I think I was fifth, so bridged the gap back up to the top four riders and uh, was up there. And I kind of talked to Brad Baker a little bit about a line to try to try for the uh, main event just to see. And it was kind of like what Carver did on – Saturday during the main event, you know, skate the thing from the bottom up to the top and drop back to the bottom, you know, almost diamond the track off, but make a really late apex for the diamond. And just to see, you know, if it would mess anyone else up in the draft, just trying stuff out. And well, I did it, you know, I was fourth or whatever, and I got an awesome draft, went up the inside and all the way up the lead and took it to the late apex. And then I, you know, kind of did the Jared Mees move coming out in front straightaway dropped to the bottom of the groove down the front straightaway and I, I won the semi. I was like, holy smokes, this worked. Cool. Well, come to find out that Mies ended up uh, breaking <laughs> in uh, three and four, which, you know, was a little bit of a dampener, but, you know, I still I still beat my brother and a few others. I was like, all right, that's cool. Main event, that was hectic you know it was really really cool but it almost kind of sucked to race just because there was so many riders and you know you really had to watch your p's and q's of course we all we all realized the danger of the sport you know we're out there fighting it out a little bit and i was i was more so past leading into the corners and just because it was so hooked up it was so fast it was a lot of fun to ride and uh didn't have to worry too much about tire wear and when five go comes, I was like, all right, well, I'm sitting, I think I was second or third, and, you know, passing up in the lead a couple of times. And it's like, all right, now the real race is supposed to start. 
kind of waiting for, you know, Mies to take off or Briar to take off, and no one ever did, and we kept the pack of 10. Well, lap 24 going across the stripe, I was an eight. You know, I was like, all right, there goes my chance at uh, getting a podium. Well, going off into turn three after the back straightaway, I got everyone fanned out, and Mies actually kind of pulled me up on the draft, and I went to the guardrail and let it drift up, and Brandon uh, Price made a bobble, and I was already kind of on him, and he bobbled and ran into me. And I mean, I ran into him, you know, it was, it was a racing deal, and uh, he kind of came down, and it was hectic. And I had to roll out of the throttle, drop back in line, and kind of lost my momentum and drafted up side of him. And Briar pulled out of the draft from me and pulled me forward. So I ended up, you know, in a way getting a double draft and rounded it out on the podium. And that was almost as good as the win, just to uh, podium Springfield Mile. Um, I haven't been satisfied, even though I was getting, you know, seconds and thirds at other races, but for Springfield Mile podium, that was that was awesome for me, really. That Man, it, it had to be an awesome feeling, especially, like you just said, going across the, the start-finish line one lap prior, way back in the pack, and making things happen on that last lap was awesome. So Williams Grove, a 13th place finish, a sixth at Minnesota, and then finishing off the season uh, at the Meadowlands with the third. Uh, what happens at, at, at Williams Grove? Man, I had uh, kind of the same thing as Atlanta. I just sucked. There's no, <laughs> nothing about it. I just sucked. I, uh, I, those, when the red plays flick, I, I'm, I'm out the back door and, you know, my results, at both those races proved it. I, uh, no way around it. I just sucked. You know, my team did everything they possibly could do to try to get me to move forward. And I, I apparently was happy where I was at, you know, 13th. I was, uh, not too thrilled with it, but, um, yeah, that, that was, uh, a big bummer because I hadn't been outside the top five since, um, what race was it? Uh, Laconia. Since my win, I, I wasn't outside the top five, which I was super stoked about, you know, um, being consistently in the top five. That's what, you know, obviously in my position, that was great for me. For someone like Briar and Mies, they want to be consistently winning or in the top three. So to be consistently in the top five was awesome. And to break it with a 13th, not even to be fighting for a top five, that one really, really hurt just you know, with the year prior, which in my opinion kind of sealed the deal for me for the factory and right getting a second there. I I just sucked there and uh, you know, that's one thing if I want to win a championship where I need to work on is those slick red plays and uh I'm definitely going to. Um just uh no way around it in my opinion. I I struggled. I think I like throttle too much and I don't know how to ride brakes enough. Okay. Well, at least you know what you need to work on for next year. So let's talk about the Meadowlands. You finished off with the podium, a third-place finish. Like Laconia, a lot of people had issues with the track. Uh, I've talked to a few other champions that uh, uh, the last few weeks, and they all said it wasn't necessarily that the track was rough. It was vision. It was hard to see. Um, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do, just because the fact, I mean, it's not like it's a bad um, lighted facility. It's just the color of the dirt. It, uh, you know, you couldn't really tell unless it was a mound of dirt. 
where there's holes or where there's ruts or whatever the case may be, it, it really blended in so much. And the track did deteriorate pretty quickly, in my opinion. It uh, wasn't like the prior year where we got to a base. It just seemed like it was a big pit of dirt that I just kept digging deeper and deeper. Um, it was rough. It was brutal. You know, with what has happened in the series, especially with the past two races, with our injured riders, there's a lot of people on the overcautious side. The track, in my opinion, it was borderline dangerous. We needed more track prep, which, I mean, got to give it to AST. They did work their butts off to try and provide us with an, a race track. Uh, it, it was just something that didn't necessarily want a motorcycle on it. They right. did a great job with keeping moisture in it, but just wasn't necessarily the best for the scenario. I got you. So the 2020 schedule just came out recently. Uh, what race are you most looking forward to next year? All of them. All right. I uh, like that answer. I, I like that answer. I just want to go race my motorcycle in all honesty. I'm looking forward to try and get some redemption at the few tracks I struggled at last year. Um, like I said, I'm, my confidence is up there now. I, I know what I'm capable of doing. So I just want to keep proving to myself now that I can, I can do better and better. You know, I'm, I'm only 22. I'm still learning so much as it goes and just the uh, entire thing to get better excites me. I, I like improving. I like bettering myself as a person and as a motorcycle racer. And that's what I've been trying to do is uh, just, watch old race tapes, see where I'm making mistakes at, see where Briar or Mies are excelling at, just carry that into 2020 and for all the tracks, whether it's Laconia where I got my first win at or, you know, Williams Grove where I struggled and took 13. I, I want to uh, improve myself on all ends of the spectrum. Right on. So silly season's here. We haven't seen very many announcements yet. I think as it gets closer to the end of December, we'll hear some more. But we have heard that Dan Bromley's stepping up to the Twins class to ride an Indian. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Or do you think he's going to do good next year? Dan's a tall guy. And uh, in my opinion, he overrides the 450. So now that he's on a capable machine, you know, he might surprise some people. He has been on a twin in, what, a year and a half, two years now. He ought to do pretty good, in my opinion, just because of his size. He's a good rider, and uh, we should see what he can um, is capable of. All right. Is uh, is your girlfriend Alex still racing, or did she hang up the steel shoe? Oh, man, that's, that's a tough one. She, uh, As of right now, the steel shoe is kind of hung up. She's full into school right now and work. She's becoming a nurse, and uh, she has until Maine until she's done with her nursing program and that cannot come soon enough honestly for her and i both um, she's stressed out so as of right now she has hung the steel shoe up she's focusing on her career path which you know i give her all the credit in the world for because that's one thing i don't think i'd ever be able to do and uh she's she's working full on on it and um, i couldn't be more proud of what she's doing i mean there's a lot of nights where she's stressed out and almost cranky and I have to deal with it, but you know, she's still powering through it. She's getting awesome grades. Um, I have heard from a 
very reliable source that she's an awesome student. Actually, I'll say it on here. No one here cares. Uh, Jesse Watkins' wife, Alyssa, owners in the Outlaw Ranch, is a teacher at the school that Alex attends. So it's kind of funny that, you know, all that plays out. And uh, Alyssa was bragging about how, to me, about how good of a student Alex is. And I, me being me, I got to tell her, it's like, no, you got to knock her down. You got to tell her she's doing bad. She's only going to do better when you do that. And Alyssa has a heart of gold. And she's like, no, I can't tell her that. She's awesome. So, um, you know, Alex is really into that. But she wants to race. She wants to ride. Just with her schedule being as busy it is, my schedule being as busy as, as it is, um, it's hard for her to get the time to even ride. And uh, it actually bumps me out because she still loves it. She loves going to the races. She loves the people around it. But I'm hoping here once uh, things settle down, uh, she gets to get back out there. I uh, actually just recently put in an order for a set of ice tires for her. That way we both have our own bikes to go out on the ice this winter and hopefully get some good riding in. And, uh, you know, hopefully do my best a supportive boyfriend to get her back on the motorcycle as much as possible well, that's awesome i think uh you know she puts up with you during the race season i think you can definitely put up with her while she's doing her schooling yeah you know she she did an instagram post i went to some dinner with her for her you know, it was a scholarship dinner and uh you know she she gets these scholarships because she's so damn smart and uh we had to go to a dinner to meet her scholarship sponsor we took a photo together and she put it up on Instagram. She's like, now it's Bronson season support me. And man, I've been living life to the fullest right now. That's awesome, man. That is so cool. I hope to see her and Bell Ray down in Daytona. Uh, it seems like it's so far away, but I'm sure it'll be here before we know it. So we're at the end of the episode. It's time for Graham's question. And Graham says she's so proud of the success you and Briar had during this past, this past season, but she wants to know what kind of grades did you get in school? When I physically went to school, I, instead of homeschool, when I went to real school, I was actually a decent student. You know, my parents did actually really hold us accountable from middle school up to freshman year. They held us pretty tight to, you know, try and get a B average. And I, I took that pretty seriously. But once I went homeschool, you know, I had Alex doing paperwork for me or homework for me. <laughs> had buddies reading books. You know, it was at that point, it was. I'm going to be a professional motorcycle racer. You know, I, I don't need this. And uh, they didn't necessarily slip, but the focus definitely wasn't on schooling. It was, all right, man, I need to go pull the motor out of this bike and take it and get it freshened up. Or I'm going to go ride my 100 until I burn the thing into the ground or, you know, just whatever the case may have been that wasn't school. Anything to, you know, here in homeschool, I, I push off all my schoolwork until about a day or two ahead of time before I actually physically go see my teacher. I hurry up, rush it, get it all done. That's pretty much how my schooling went once I uh, went into homeschooling. I got you. So who had better grades, you or Briar? Actually, I really think I did. Um, through and through, I think I had the better grades. Right on. I just remember whenever I stayed out at your house one night, there's it seemed like there's 20 other racers there. Everybody's hanging out, having fun, and 
And I go around and look in a shop and you're out there working on stuff. So you've always had a good ethic to work on your motorcycles. Does that still continue right now? Yeah, it does. Um, I, there's one thing actually I think is equal to my love for racing them is building them. I, uh, I've learned so much through the years of building motors and just building the motorcycle. I love framers. You know, that's something you can really build yourself whether it's foot peg brackets to powder coat, you know, you, you really get to put your touch to it. And um, that's one thing I, I, I still love to do is just go, go out in the shop. And if it doesn't matter if I'm scotch riding and WD fording something for two hours, cleaning it up, I'm enjoying it because that's, it really is something I love to do. And uh, right now I'm actually in the process of uh, tearing my Rotax down and building it up, you know, getting it powder coated and changing some foot peg mounts, motor mounts, stuff like that. And just, uh, something, something to keep me busy during the off season while I can't at least go out and ride them. Right on. We had Frankie Garcia on a couple of weeks ago and, and we were asking him predictions for 2020 and, and he picked you to dethrone your brother. He didn't pick me. So he said, I'm picking Bronson. He said, so Bronson, uh, he's got you picked up to, to take the number one plate next year. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I love Frankie, and uh, he, he's an awesome guy. And I, I feel confident going into uh, you know next season. I I got a really good deal behind me again, and uh, I'm excited for it. I've learned so much of this season, and I can't wait to apply it next season. And I know what I have to do: beat my brother heads up. You know, he's the one with the number one plate. He has the target on his back, and uh, I'm ready for it, you know. My brother and I aren't rivals. We're actually really, really good friends, and that's one thing that the teammates brought brought the best out in us. And uh, But he's the person I want to beat the most, and for one of our good friends to say I'm going to be able to do it, that, that just uh, puts a smile on my face and makes me want to work even harder for next year. Awesome, man. I appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. Enjoy the off season. And uh, before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah. Um, you know, thank you for having me on the show. Indian Motorcycles, Progressive Insurance, um, Jesse and Alyssa Watkins, Farmer Phil for bringing out the equipment for the fundraiser, um, everyone who came out, my parents, my grandma, the entire camp family for putting up with me year after year uh alex you know i love her and uh bell ray for just being the emotional sport animal that she is right on man thanks a lot have a good holiday season we'll see you soon all right buddy yeah you too scotty and uh stay warm down there i'm trying buddy thanks a lot yeah see ya. i gotta say i love hearing him talk about like those races and it's crazy how they remember all those things, uh, you know, the intricate parts of the race or where, where they were in turn three on lap four. Like, it's, it's just insane. Like, hearing the details of him and Briar racing, the little things that you don't get from watching the live broadcast or watching features on NBC. I, I love those, those little nuggets. 
and it, it, there was so much information there. I mean, like he remembers every little bit about even a heat race or even qualifying. He remembered when he first got the fast qualifier. He remembered, you know, what was going on in his mind at Peoria. I mean, all the little things that that we didn't know, we just we just found out. So I'm sure he's got more than that. But uh, we kept it to a uh, kind of brief on some of the races. But uh, man, he's uh, such a good story, such a good guy. And my hats off again to him for raising twenty six thousand dollars to help those four injured riders man i think that's awesome insane dude just another example of uh of how awesome the flat track community is when we come together uh to help our fellow uh fellow flat track family uh it's good stuff and i think the fact that they're going to be doing that again this year uh, is what he was saying uh is pretty cool it's going to be an annual event uh to benefit whoever you know needs that money so always good to see people doing doing things like that coming together for for the good of the sport and the people involved well you said we've got some really important people lined up for the rest of this month which is the rest of the 2019 year and then we're going to start 2020 here pretty soon uh i'm looking forward to our next couple of guests um i know I know one of them really, really well, and I don't know much about the other one. So I'm really looking forward to our next uh, couple of episodes here on Off the Groove. And uh, we definitely appreciate all the, the feedback, the comments we've been getting. We try to answer everybody. And uh, I know you had to hand out some stickers when you're on your bicycle <laughs> journey. And, and I'll be taking some stickers with me when I head up to Wichita to uh, premiere that movie, Fast and Left. Really stoked about the next few episodes, man. It's going to be a solid way to end our season. Uh, I, I think we should do seasons. Like, this is the end of season two by the end of this year. And then next January, we're going to start season three. What do you think of that idea? I like it. I like it. It'll be a little bit easier way to for you to catalog things and keep track of things. And uh, we can follow the progress or the digress off the group progress what are you talking about we're not digressing son we always progress all right that's it that means um, i'm we're at the end of this episode smash that like button tell all your friends give us a follow off the groove we appreciate everybody who listens and uh, we'll talk to you next friday peace Chipotle? Is that what you racers eat in the off-season?